0: Welcome back, baseball fans, to Rounding 3rd, the Baseball Podcast. This is episode 45. A couple fun series we're going to touch on. We're going to round out, hit the Sunday standings. We're going to do player watch. We're going to review the Sunday Night Baseball game. Should be a pretty nice, smooth episode. Really looking forward to uh, getting into it here, Max. What do you say? Roll the intro. Let's
1: do it. Today... I consider consider myself myself the luckiest luckiest man man on the face face of face of the earth.
0: We are here, episode 45, feeling pretty good. It's a good little weekend of baseball, some incredible series. Uh, I'm excited to jump in.
1: Yeah, there were lots of uh, good interleague matchups, Dodgers, Guardians, Cardinals, Red Sox. Um, It was a fun weekend of baseball, I got to say.
0: What series do you think you were most surprised by this weekend? I mean... It's hard not to say
1: that the Guardians beating the Dodgers. I mean, they didn't even have Jose Ramirez in two of those games, um, and still were able to come in and win a series. I mean, I, uh, that team is hot. They were my spicy team last week. They were eight and two then. They, they've just they've won six straight series and going into the LA in a big interleague matchup, losing your best player in game one. I mean, that's pretty impressive. And the only game they lost was the Koufax statue unveiling, which was uh, an obvious, L.
0: Which, let me uh, mention for the viewers, we did have a little host-on-host uh, friendly wager going for that. You were definitely on the wrong side of it. Uh, dude, you can't bet against Koufax. I know we're going to get into that later in the show. Huge night Saturday for the Dodgers with Senior Koufax getting his statue. Uh, we'll touch on that later. But, yeah, yeah. I mean... Obviously, as a Dodgers fan, a little bit sad about that series, but have to give it up to the Guardians. They're a legit team. I know we'll talk about it here as we get around to them in the standings, but pretty excited to get into that. You want to kick us off with the American League West, Max? Let's do it. The American League West
1: continues to be dominated by the Houston Astros. I mean, they just have a massive lead. They have the second largest lead on any division behind the Yankees. Um, they're just rolling, finished a win against the White Sox on Sunday Night Baseball. And behind them, it does get a little bit interesting. You know, we've talked about those three teams that maybe have something to play for, the Angels, Rangers, and Mariners. Angels have come back a little bit. Mike Trout has hit five homers in his last five games as they just routed the Mariners in a series. Um, and the Rangers, I mean, I think they won a series in Detroit, but Still, I have no faith in that team. But the Mariners, the Mariners at fourth place right now at 29 and 39, 13 games out of first place. I'm almost ready to just pack up the bag for this team and call it. If you look at their um, their last 13 losses, their run totals go 2-1-2-2-1-3-0-2-0-1-2-0-0. I mean, this is just a team that has... No offensive production, despite bringing in Eugenio and Winker. Um, Ty France has been great, but I'm just ready to pack it up for that team. I think it's Astros all the way in this year in this division, and they are the only team out of the West making the playoffs.
0: Wow. See, that's been – I mean, I, I'm right there with you, packing in on the Mariners. And I'm a huge, especially this season, Mariners guy. I stand to lose a lot of money for my stupid futures I've placed on that uh, team look very bad but you're telling me you're ready to pack it in on the LA Angels Angels you you don't think they're there I'm pretty close to getting to that
1: point I mean they kind of started off hot right they had this amazing start everyone was saying they're a top 5 team in baseball but, I mean, the AL East has rounded itself out as we expected. I mean, the Yankees are in control, but behind them, you still have the Blue Jays, Rays, and Red Sox, who are all at least five games over five hundred, And you have the Surgeon Guardians, who are six games over five hundred. So, you know, the Angels right now at three games below. Obviously, we're not even at the All-Star break, but uh, this team, they're going to need to get an arm. They're going to need another starting pitcher. They're going to need something to help them. Because Trout has been spectacular. And you you see where they are in the standings still.
0: Yeah, what's crazy about this Angels team is, you know, they're second place in the West. They would be fifth place in the AL East. They would be fourth place in the AL Central. And the AL Central is a very weak division in itself. Uh, You know, that, that number two spot's almost kind of deceiving. You don't realize how bad they are. Again, they're not even over 500. This is an Angels team who has the best player in baseball, and the un- rating unanimous MVP from the American League.
1: just Right, yeah, and if, I- if you look at the wild card standings for now, it's like the Blue Jays have a two-game gap for the first place, and then it goes Guardians and Rays are tied by winning percentage, um, and then Red Sox a half game out, White Sox four games
0: out, and then you have the Angels at four and a half out. So they got some climbing to do. And not to mention the Texas team right on their heels half a game back, which in itself is interesting. Corey Seeker, good weekend for him, put up two home runs. How do you uh, feel about that Texas team? I mean, uh, do you think they, they've got stuff going for them? I mean, I th- look, if they could finish third in the AL West after last year's team, and obviously they spent signed $550 million in contracts on their middle infield, but it's that progress you need. I mean, I don't expect anyone from going from that terrible of a record. I mean, what they, they weren't pushing more than 60 wins last year. So I don't expect anyone to go from that record to winning a division to being competitive without like crazy roster overhaul. I think if they finish here, it's a good season for them. I mean, this was a team we wrote off immediately off the jump, wrote off Texas.
1: Yeah, I mean we were kind of like they're building for the future. I mean, obviously they want to win. They signed Seeger and Simeon. So, I mean, they're not packing it in. And they have Martin Perez who's been really good as a starting pitcher. You know, I, I you they I don't think they'll move him just because like you said, they're trying to win, but he would be a decent piece. They got a roll with Garcia. I mean, they they've got some good players, but I think this year, like you said, I think that was a good point. If they finish third, I mean, that's a win
0: again, they'd be behind a Houston team, which I'm with. Yeah. The ALS is done. It's Houston's. I mean, look at them. They're playing different level of baseball. We'll get into that on Sunday night baseball. It's Houston. They're just killers. And then if you're Texas, it's like, well, we're behind Houston been there last six years, the ALCS. Then you have, Oh, and then we're behind the team that has Shohei Otani, and Mike Trout and right here off of a 60 win season. We're right there. I mean, that's, it's not a bad building block if you're a Texas fan. Definitely shows some hope. Uh, you know, I would move move us to the American League East, another place, incredible division. But uh, if you want to top this division, you're going to need a lot more than hopes and dreams. I mean, the New York Yankees are incredible. So I, I know we talk about, like, you, you can't even make them the spicy team of the week. They're too good. You expect it. I mean, 9-1 and one over the last 10. They're at 49-17 on top of the division, winning 74% of their games. I mean, it's insane. I expect them to cross to the 50-win threshold right here coming up. I mean, it has been just something. This New York team, they're just so fun to watch, and, you know, that's not always the case. And, again, you hate your bet of the week on this New York team going into Toronto. You had them in the series. We didn't even need the Sunday game. Take care of business Friday, Saturday. You hit your luck of the week. I mean, this New York team is special. And they were down 6-1. You get the grand salami. I mean, there's just – it's crazy. It's the Rangers slogan, but no quit in New York. It applies here. Yeah, I mean, the Yankees are something else. I mean,
1: they. it almost looks like they can't lose. I mean, I know they, they lost that series finale against the Blue Jays, which – even then, I, I thought they were going to scratch it out. They gave up like seven unanswered runs and lost. Pretty wild game, but I mean, their last two series they beat the Rays and the Blue Jays pretty handily. They're only two competitors, and they start another series tonight against the Rays again with Garrett Cole versus Shane Clanahan. They're just dominant. I mean, they're I mean their record is just ridiculous forty nine and seventeen. I mean, that's unbelievable in baseball. And if you look at the hottest teams ever through the first half of the season. The the Yankees in '98 were 61 and 20, so I mean they still have a chance at that. And that team ended, by the way, ended up winning the World Series. Um, I mean they're just they're just incredible, and the fact that this division is so loaded. I mean, the fourth place team in this division is five games over 500, and at the same time, it's a runaway right? That just says speaks to how good the Yankees are. It's a very competitive division. Three of the teams are competing for a wild card spot. And at the same time, the Yankees are just blowing them out, have the biggest lead in the division
0: in all of baseball. I mean, I love what you said there. Again, that's the Boston Red Sox in fourth place at 36 and 31. I mean, that's a great division. Again, you have just going winning percentages. You have. Uh, 54% for Boston, Tampa Bay at 55%. You have 58% for Toronto, and then 74%. I mean, the Yankees have 11 games in hand for the division lead in a division of all really, really good teams who are winning games. Toronto, right there in that second place, have a couple games in hand on the Rays who are third. And again, this is a Rays team you can never count out. They play that weird style, that Raysian baseball. They're keeping it going. We'll see how this series goes. But these Yankees have far surpassed our expectations. I know neither of us said they'd make the playoffs. We look like idiots for that take. This team definitely makes the playoffs. Right, Max? I mean, what do you think on that? Guarantee the thoughts? Yankees or the Blue Jays? The Yankees.
1: I mean, the Yankees, They're they're winning the division. It's a lock. There's no chance any team catches them. Um, I, I mean, there's so many things you can talk about on this standing sheet about how impressive the Yankees have been. I mean, the Blue Jays are 10 games over 500 at 38 and 28. No other team in all of the American League except for the Astros and, of course, the Yankees are that are, are 10 games over 500. And it, even if one thing I want to shout out too, the Orioles. They haven't been doing too bad themselves. They're 6-4 and in their last 10. They're 30-38. and The 4th and 5th place teams in both the American League Central and American League West haven't hit 30 games. So they're playing well, too. You know, I think they deserve a little bit of shout-out. But it is unbelievable
0: how well the Yankees have played. I mean, they're about to win 50 games. Yeah, it's just crazy to me how good this division is. And like you said, it's just a runaway. And there's no contest here, and the division is loaded. As you said, even Baltimore, their bad team, if you will, is pretty solid. I mean, you know, nothing crazy, but they're playing and the games Yankees. they're winning games. I,
1: I'm pretty sure the Yankees have only lost two series all year. One was to Baltimore, and the other was to the White Sox uh, uh, so a month ago, I think. So that's pretty cool. But how about I turn to the the Central? Yeah, let me turn to the Central here. Very interesting stuff going on in the Central. Um, I mean, up at the top, you still have the Twins who have been somewhat shaky. They lost a series to Arizona. Um, But the big news here is the Cleveland Guardians are thirty-four and twenty-eight, six games over five hundred. They're sixteen and ten in the land. 8-2 in their last 10. They've won six straight series. They went into Colorado on this road trip. That was my lock of the week last week. Swept them three-game sweep. They go into Dodger Stadium, win a series. Two of those games without Jose Ramirez. They look really good. And what's awesome about this is starting tonight, the Guardians continue their road trip going to Minnesota. To play a series against the Twins. Huge AL Central matchup. Guardians have a chance to take over the division lead. And right now, they're the second wildcard team. I don't think anybody expected that, you know, 60 games in. The second wildcard team is the Cleveland Guardians. And then behind them, I, the White Sox, <laughs> they just, I, I think they need to fire LaRusa. I think I said that last week. I think they need to do something. Um, they just have so many players on the IL, which that's been the story all year, but they, they really do. I mean, on Sunday night baseball, they were showing it all the players on their IL and it's a laundry list. Um, and then, then, you know, tigers and Royals suck, but the big story here is guardians twins, huge series this week.
0: Yeah. So who do you think comes out of that? You think when that series concludes, who is the lead in the American league central? So, I, I mean,
1: for the Guardians to have the lead um, in the in, let me let me just double check um, if it's a two or a three game set. It is a three game set. So or no, excuse me, it's a four game set. One, two, three. No, it's a three game. Excuse me. They start tomorrow. Um, so for the Guardians to have the lead in the division, they would need to sweep it. Right. If they win two to one, the division will be tied. Um so, you know, and it's coming into Minnesota. Jose is still, I don't think, going to be in the lineup, but maybe he will be. I, I still think the Twins will have control in the division, but I still think if the Guardians go in there, win one, that's, that's good. If they win two and win the series, then it's like this team is really rolling. They'll be tied for the Minnesota Twins. They'll be tied for the central lead, if not in control of it. I mean, do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, no, I I actually agree with your take. I think they win one. I think Minnesota takes care of business, but still even getting that one game, you know, you're gonna end up leaving that series with Minnesota two games up on you, not a bad place to be if you're Cleveland. I mean, it going into Minnesota that's gonna be hard, it's been a consistent team. And I just think it's gotta be a little bit of a letdown. You know, the twins are really good, but like you're you know, you're juiced up to go play the Dodgers, to go play in some of these you know, bigger series and not that the, you know, this is a huge, huge divisional game. Obviously they can get up for it, but it's just something a little bit different about going into Minnesota, you know, to face the twins. You don't have Koufax statues or the likes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but also if you look at this road trip, this West coast road trip, if you would have said coming into it, the six games out West, three against Denver, three against Colorado, three against LA, they come out of it 5-1. and one. I mean, that is unbelievable. So we'll see how they go in to play the Twins. Um, but how do you feel about the White Sox is my question for you. I mean, we saw them lose a series um,
0: at, on Sunday Night Baseball. I mean, where, where do you stand with that team? I mean, I think it's kind of laughable. Again, this is a team that had the minus 220 runaway division, our best odds to win their division. And when you take that stat into account and then look at the Yankees' domination, the Astros' domination, it's embarrassing. And I think it's on two fronts, the White Sox' downfall. You touched on one. Look, it's just injuries, but that's part of the game. It happens to the best of them. Again, I'm a Dodgers strand without Mookie Betts. Walker Bueller can't touch a baseball. Clint Kershaw was dead for three months. I mean, like... Injuries happen, but Tony La Russa sucks. I mean, he's just got to go like, dude is ancient. Like he's older than the game of baseball. I mean, you saw, I don't know if you saw the video, but Mercedes got picked up by San Francisco. He's popping champagne. Cause he knows I'm really good. This guy just will not play me. Cause all Tony La Russa cares about is acquiring DUIs and not having any fun in the game of baseball. I mean, this is the same guy who's like, do not try and hit home runs. Don't hit home runs off me. We want no fun. Tony La Russa, biggest anti-fun guy in baseball, needs to go. Yeah, I mean,
1: I love I love Tony La Russa for his time in the Cardinals, and just I mean, he is a legend. He's a lock for the Hall of Fame if he's not already there. Um, but he's seventy seven years old. I mean, like at a certain point, your your team just needs a new culture, and a seventy seven year old guy, I just don't think fits the White Sox culture. I mean, you you look at the players on that team. Um, A.J. Pollock, Tim Anderson, Yoan Moncada, Jose Abreu, these are guys who I feel like are full of energy, full of electricity and want to do everything on the field, show off, show their swag. And I just feel like they need a young manager to come in um, and kind of change the culture there. And I, I really don't think Tony La Russa is the guy. I mean, you don't want an 80-year-old guy in
0: there. I mean, it's just a terrible fit. Like, in my opinion, the franchise player you're going to build around, if you're the White Sox, is Tim Anderson. He's up there. He's a top ten most electric player in baseball, and you have the least electric manager there. A lot of tension. Just makes no sense. And again, minus two twenty, they're getting beat by the damn Guardians right now. I mean, don't I mean, get the Guardians slander. No, I mean it's not a knock on the Guardians, but it is the fact of like you have owners who only got to sign their franchise player because they tried trading him. No one accepted it. And he said, I will sign at 50% of my market rate. You have an ownership group who doesn't care about retaining players, beating the White Sox who are trying to win. That's what's crazy is the guardians aren't trying to win. They just are the team is, but management ownership is not. Yeah, I mean, and they're playing incredible. Before we go
1: to the NOS, like, I well, a couple of things. One, the Guardians trust their farm system. They have the youngest team in baseball, and they're performing well. What you said isn't untrue, though. They don't like to spend money. They did sign Jose, and Jose loves being in Cleveland. Um, but my question for you about the uh, follow-up about the White Sox is, like, are they going to try to make a move at the deadline here? Or are they more like – this isn't our season. Maybe we can sell some players or or are they just going to kind of like coast through and see what happens
0: They're They're honestly in a really weird position because I would be of the favor of like, uh, this isn't the year pack it up, whatever. But again, the teams in front of them are the twins and guardians and no knock. They've been good all year, but like this isn't the runaway New York Yankees. I mean, you're three or four series away from the White Sox being right, back in this some health they have a competitive roster so it's hard to pack it in i don't have faith in them i think the guardians i'm so impressed by what they've done i think they keep the white Sox at bay behind them i think the twins keep the white socks behind them i just don't know when you when you can call it and i don't know that they trade anyone i mean I'm, i don't know their contract situation on some of their players but like tim anderson's not leaving the south side anytime soon i can guarantee you that abreu He's not, you know. Yeah, I mean, good answer. Yeah. We, I suggest we uh, kick it over to the National League West. Uh, talking about that American League Central, the Guardians. Huge weekend in California. Beating the Dodgers. Uh, does not matter by winning percentage to Dodgers. Back on top of the NL West. A tiny, tiny half game lead over San Diego. Which was hugely due to the fact that San Diego got swept this weekend. I mean, like that was by the Rockies. I mean, divisional opponent, but the Rockies should not be sweeping the San Diego team. Again, Machado's down. It's news we're going to touch on. Manny Machado down with an injury. Tatis, his injury stalled a little bit. Interesting to see who's going to step up if this Padres team can keep it going. Machado obviously playing at an MVP caliber level up to this point. But the Padres, right there, still in second place behind the Dodgers, who have looked a little spotty recently, but no problem there. The Giants, again, not relinquishing any ground. Three games back at 37 and 28. Then you have Arizona, Colorado, not worth touching on, even with the sweep of the Padres. Colorado still in last place in the division, 11 games back. I mean, not interested there, but... It's the same order we've seen for a while outside of the fact that last week the Padres did jump the Dodgers briefly. It just is still such a close race, Max. I, as a Dodger fan, I'm very biased and comfortable saying, yeah, LA pulls us out, no sweat. But if you're looking objectively, it's pretty hard to, to say who's going to take this division down. What do you think on that as a more unbiased fan? No, I, I mean, you're right. Um, it is a very competitive division.
1: Those three teams ha- are going to be there for a while. I know I said I was down on the Giants. And as soon as I say that, they, I mean, they went to Pittsburgh and almost got a sweep if it wasn't for Jack Winski hitting the three, three home runs and a walk-off, but they've, they've just looked really good. Um, and it makes me a little bit nervous because if you look at the wild card standings, the Braves are surging and, If they don't catch the Mets, I mean, they're going to be a lock for the wild card. And then you have both the Padres and Giants who are playing exceptional and are going to be competing for that spot, which leaves the second place team in the Central, either the Cardinals or Brewers, in a tight spot. So that does worry me. But from just the standpoint of the NL West, it's a really good division. I mean, even the bottom two teams have won four straight um arizona's 32 and 36. i mean that's a pretty serviceable record for a team that you know isn't supposed to be super competitive the padres though i don't know how they're gonna hold up i wasn't high on them before the season when they didn't have tatis and they've been playing great now they don't have machado either who's been an mvp candidate thus far i don't know how well they'll be able to manage and you know this injury originally looked a lot worse but the x-rays came back negative i think we might touch on it later um x-rays came back negative and there's no timetable for his return but i heard end of july time frame so maybe they'll get machado and tatis back but it's tough it's tough for them but the dodgers have been a little shaky so maybe they'll be
0: able to stay in the race as the weeks go on but really impressive division Yeah, I think for this, for the Padres, it all comes down to, can you stay in the fight long enough to get your stars back? And that's it. I mean, if they're right there and their stars are back, they're very much in it. You know, if they start to slide, get, you know, eight to ten games out of there, who knows? I just don't see the Dodgers and Giants losing enough to really start making up a a double-digit gap there.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Padres go back home and they play three against the Diamondbacks, who, like I said, just beat the Twins. Um, And then they play four at home against the Phillies before two in Arizona, and then they go to Dodger Stadium for a four-game set. So it'll be really interesting these next couple weeks with Machado out to see how these top three teams shake out. Personally, for the Cardinals' sake, I would like to see the Giants drop or the Padres drop. I'd like to see one of those teams tumble a little bit.
0: Well, the one thing I can tell you is the Dodgers will not be tumbling. Even when they're shaky, they're on top of a division.
1: Yeah, you're right about that. How about the Central? Um, the second to last NL division we'll talk about. Very interesting stuff. Cardinals lose um, the series 2-1 to one to the Red Sox over the weekend. And the Brewers are looking pretty nice. As of late, I mean, you know, they might be back a little bit. They got the sweep in Cincinnati. um, And, you know, then they won one against the Mets. But right now at the top of the division, both Cardinals and Brewers at 38 and 30. And both they start a series tonight in Milwaukee, a four game series. Corbin Burns versus Miles Michaelis tonight. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. Tough things for the Cardinals. O'Neill is back on the I.L. once again, which is very unfortunate to see. Lars Newbar is back up playing. But this top of the division and this series coming up, I mean, the importance of it could not be more magnified. And then the bottom three teams, it's the worst bottom three in baseball. Pirates, Cubs, Reds. Just... Not even worth talking about. It's these two teams, and that's why this—that's why this is so important. This series, because you know, they're going to get chances to beat up on these other teams. But like I said, the West playing so well, the wild card spot's in question. So huge
0: series. You know, what I feel like this isn't even much of a a take on my end, but I think for the central spot, I agree. I'm not sure that the wild card is there. I think it comes down to. Really, the Milwaukee-St. Louis head-to-head record. I think that in itself will tell us at the end of the season who's in, who's out. What do, I mean, you think that's an accurate statement? I
1: mean, absolutely. I mean, they're going to be they're going to be playing each other more than any other team, uh, other than those other teams in the division. But in terms of a competitive opponent, they're going to be playing each other 14 times throughout the season. So it's, it's going to be everything. And it'll be really unfortunate if the Cardinals miss the playoffs. And But even if you look in the East, which I know you're going to touch on, the Braves have been surging. And even the Phillies are four games over 500. So there are teams chomping at the bit to take one of those spots. So this series is,
0: is so important. Yeah, all being said, definitely uh, the best Central matchup you're going to get out of the NL. Um, of course, anything else in the NL Central is just – Dog shit. However, I will be spectating the Cincinnati Reds first hand on Thursday. Very excited to hopefully watch the dumpster fire. It's Clayton Kershaw picking up the ball against Hunter Green. Gonna be absolute fire. Excited to see that one. Other thing I'm excited to see the National League East, our last section to round out the Sunday standings. Gotta to go to the NL East. Again, Wire to wire, nothing but different. The New York Mets, all the New York teams, Yankees, Mets, just playing out of their mind. Mets are 45 and 24. It does not sound real. 45 and 24 on top of the NL East. The story, and it kind of started to write itself last week here, Max. It's the Atlanta Braves. They're back. I mean, they realized they woke up. They must have had a team meeting and they were like, whoa, we're rainy World Series champions. Wow, we have good pitching and one of the best rosters in baseball. What if we just try and win? That's exactly what the Braves have done. They're eight and two over the last ten. You know they're sitting at a thirty eight and twenty nine record, only six games back of the Mets. I don't think they really make the push there, but again, as you mentioned, they're now sitting in that wild card spot in the National League, that last wild card spot. Only have a little half game lead there, so still anyone's battle there. The real story here, and that's where my question is is for you, Max. The Phillies are 7-3, and three, as you said, surging recently, 7-3 over the last 10, playing really well. The 36-32, and 32. I don't think they make the playoffs, though. I mean, they're eight and a half games back of their division. I don't see them passing the Mets or the Braves. We've already talked about this National League wild card and how there really are, you know, six, seven teams that any of them could jump in there. Do you think this, I mean... It, can you even write off this Phillies team that's 7-3 over 10 just because of where they are write, in the
1: standings? You can't write them off by no means. They've won six straight series ever since they fired Joe Girardi. Um, that's including uh, – or excuse me, five six straight series. They swept the Angels. They swept the Brewers. They won two out of three against the Diamondbacks won two out of three against the Marlins, then won four out of five against the Nationals. And this team is only two and a half games out of the third wildcard spot. So this team is right there in the mix. They're one of the teams that's going to be competing for a wildcard spot. And that's what makes the the extended playoffs, three wildcard spots. I mean, it makes it so fun. It's an extra spot, an extra team that is maybe looking to do something at the deadline. Noel has been pitching great. Bryce Harper is an MVP candidate. The Phillies, you cannot write them off. Um, By no means can you write them off. My prediction, though, I think the Braves are going to catch the Mets. I think the Braves at some point will take the division lead here. Whether they win it or not, I don't know, but I do expect at some point in the season, Braves will take it.
0: Interesting take. I mean, again, six games is not much when you're talking about baseball. You're, uh, if you have the right week and a half with a matchup against each other, can erase that pretty quickly. You know, I like to take the Braves have been surging. And I do think that Phil, I don't know, something about it. I want to write Philly off. I'm not there. I'm not there to officially go there. But it's just like, man, you're playing out of your mind. It doesn't seem to really matter. Again, I now I let them in the playoffs. I don't think this it, look baseball playoffs. Anyone can always win. I don't think Phillies can realistically win in the playoffs. They're just not built for it. When you average three airs a game, you're not winning playoff series. I'd like, I just don't see that being possible. We'll see. And again, Miami, they're 14 games back, hardly worth touching on. You know, they're seven games under 500. The nationals are just abysmal. I mean, they're not even an organization. You know, they're 24 and 46, 21 and a half games back. Pretty disgusting stuff out of D.C. And they're refusing to trade Juan Soto, which I understand from their perspective. But again, from a baseball fan perspective, one of the best players just caught in a desert of what I wouldn't even describe as baseball.
1: And at the same time, like, you don't necessarily want to just leave him up to free agency and then let him go sign somewhere else. If you could get a massive, massive haul, for Juan Soto. I mean, why not? Well, you can. I, I think I remember reading something that they said like they would never trade Juan Soto. But, you know, who knows? Who knows? Again, yeah, they, they,
0: they sent Max Scherzer and Trey Turner in the same trade. So this organization, who knows what they won't trade if we're being. And, and then like they it.
1: signed Strasburg to like $300 million contract, missed two seasons, comes back, plays one start, and back on the IL.
0: He's like an Illinois resident, the way he's just sitting there on the I.O.
1: Well, those are are the standings. Very interesting. So, I mean, to round out the division leaders, Yankees, Twins, Astros, Mets, Cardinals, Dodgers. Well, Cardinals and uh, Brewers are tied. The wildcard teams, Blue Jays, Guardians, Rays, and Padres, Giants, Braves. Very interesting, 60-something games into the season. But, James, I mean, let's turn our attention to some rather unfortunate news that a lot of teams have been facing across baseball. Mookie's down, Tyler O'Neill's down, Manny Machado goes down, among, among a bunch of other players that are also down. But lots of players hitting the aisle.
0: Yeah, it's just one of those, you know, you wonder how much of it goes into we didn't really have a spring training here. You didn't have players training, you know, all of that contract negotiation and collective bargaining agreement and all of that that was going on with the lockout. It's going to, you know, you're going to see it accrue. You have guys that are used to 45 days to warm up and get into the swing of it just jumping right there into it. You had the COVID year a couple years ago, guys' bodies getting used to playing 162 marathon games, but again, some huge injuries, you know, Manny Machado, that that's going to shake that franchise already without Tatis. I don't know who fills the role. I mean, they have a decent list of role players, but no one who it's like, oh my God, Luke Voigt's in the DH, like game's over. Like no one, you know, no yeah, game breaker. I mean, you Ray can't career. replace Machado. You can't replace him.
1: Um, he's having a career year pretty much and having him out and Tatis out is tough. Do you think that will, I mean, like how do you think both the Mookie injury and plus the Walker Bueller injury and now Machado and Tatis, I mean, the NL West is just falling apart. Do you think this is a chance for the giants to surge? Or do you think those two teams have enough in reserve to kind of maintain order and keep it as Dodgers, Padres, Giants, for the next month or so until they're back at full strength
0: Uh, here. I'm going to rephrase your question a little bit. If the giants ever want to sniff division lead in the national league West, they need to pounce now when the injury bug is ripe at full strength. I do not think that team even sniffs that position. And I don't think that, you know, last year they won because they went wire to wire and just would not relinquish that lead. I don't think they're cut out to dogfight, And, you know, in the last waning days of August, in September, early September, make a move there. I think they need the lead and need to protect it. Now's the time I'm worried about the Padres. There seems to be something in that clubhouse or locker room though, and, and extra energy that wasn't quite there. So I could see, you know, there's 25% of me. I could see them, you know, chugging along again. They've done it without Tatis. Dodgers are not as worried about. Look, Mookie Betts is incredible. You cannot replace him, another MVP caliber player. But you have Trey Turner, who's been incredible all season. You have Freddie Freeman. You have Will Smith. You have Max Muncie, who's looked terrible. Justin Turner also looked terrible. But, you know, you have, you have Bellinger. It looked questionable. But you have some bats there. It's not like a Sahara Desert without him. Good news, too, it's just a cracked rib. In two weeks, he should be back. Now, the Walker thing, that's a little bit more serious, in my opinion. But we're keeping it cool. And the Dodgers just traded for Trace Thompson. Uh, mm-hmm. In the meantime, I think that's going to fill Mookie's spot for the next, you know, ten days, and then he'll get and out
1: the of Padres. That. Padres also don't have Joe Musgrove right now. Who's on the? He's on the COVID IL, so it's not some like long term arm injury. But still, going to maybe miss a starter two for him. As we move through the league, though, announced yesterday, I think, yeah, Tyler O'Neill goes down for the Cardinals. He missed a significant amount of time. If you remember, he had that poor start. He opened the season on opening day with a homer, five RBIs, where everyone was like, Tyler O'Neal, the September player of the month last year, he's back, really struggled, hits the IL, misses a lot of time, comes back, has been okay. I mean, he hasn't been that unbelievable player, but I think he's been a lot better. And now he is back on the I.L. with, I think, hamstring tightness. 10-day I.L. We'll see how long he's there. But, I mean, although he goes down, Juan Yepes, who's been incredible, immediately comes in, has a three-run smash yesterday. So, I, I it might not be the worst thing in the world for the Cardinals to get that struggling bat out of the lineup. But, I mean, what's your outside perspective on losing Tyler O'Neal?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it. I think Tyler O'Neill. Why he hasn't had his best season, the big benefit is he brings some crazy advantages. The wheels in the outfield, he can cover so much more distance than any replacement can. He has a little bit more power. Again, Yep has had the bomb, but O'Neal does just have a little bit more of that raw power. Guy is just juiced to the gills, jacked. I'm not that worried about it, though. I mean, honestly, the Cardinals have some pretty great depth going all the way down. You know, I know Gorman's struggled a little bit. But they have the depth they have yep as they have you know new bar some guys that have some experience have some ab's it's so really good team again i don't think it really hurts them at all i mean maybe a little bit defensively but that would be the only way yeah i, I would agree defensively it's not the best
1: i mean o'neill is very quick very good with his glove very just sound foundationally but yeah well i mean it'll be interesting to see i mean There are so many injuries going around the league. Jordan is day-to-day. Jose Ramirez is day-to-day. A big injury that I don't think we touched on, though, is Ozzie Albies. I don't think we had a chance to discuss him. 60-day IL with a broken foot. He already went through successful foot surgery. I think he's done for the year. I mean, it'd be hard to see him come back. Maybe he'd be back for the postseason, but what a brutal blow for just a a, a cornerstone of their last few runs these past couple of years. Um, I mean, obviously it's a big hit, but
0: do you think this changes their trajectory at all? You know, I think it could. It's maybe a little piece on paper, but I think he's a lot of that culture. He's great at second base in the field. He brings some of that energy. Look, he's one of their guys. They went out. He signed a terrible, terrible contract. The Braves absolutely bent him and his fi- family and future generations over a table, you know, signing him extra young. But they he got that discount. He signed after a year and a half of pro service. I think when they're down the stretch and as you mentioned, battling the Mets, looking to take that division spot, potentially battling for a wild card, Ozzie, always the kind of guy who can turn the the table there. Again, he can make a huge difference in the playoffs. I think it is a guy, you know, you're on the back of you have Matt Olson, but with Freddie gone, Albie's kind of that locker room guy. I mean, Acuna is electric. He just doesn't strike me as like that kind of leader locker room guy where I think Albies has a lot more of that, you know, being able to kind of keep the train on the tracks.
1: I agree. And I mean, he's been tremendous. I mean, he's still young. Um, Excuse me. He's only 25 years old. He's coming off a 30 home run, 106 RBI, 20 stolen base season um, where his OPS was at 800. He's just – it's just sad to see. I mean, Ozzy Osbys is a tremendously likable player. He's always having fun out there. So he's just a player that when you watch the Braves, you want to see Ozzy out there. And so it's tough. I hope he can come back. Um, but I'm not – I think they've got Phil Gosselin playing right now at second base. Don't really
0: know anything about him, but he's no Ozzy Albies. Yeah, certainly. So, you know, that injury bug, It's it's been bad. Hopefully you get these – I always think the game's better without injuries. Wish you could just turn them off. Wish players never got injured. You want to see everything at full strength. Turn uh, down those injury sliders. Yeah, get that slider all the way off. We don't need any of that. Get, get everyone back. Let's keep it healthy. Uh, so, good luck to all those guys in recovering from injury. Speaking of injuries, and a player who, maybe in all of professional sports, the entire history of every sport that's ever been played, the player to get screwed the very most by injury, I would wager ever, got honored, had his place, but now forever cemented Centerfield Plaza, Los Angeles. And Brooklyn Dodger legend, Sandy Koufax, gets his statue on Saturday. The 32, the Southpaw, the best lefty to ever throw baseball. I mean, he gets honored. And again, his career cut short. His last season he ever played ends in a Cy Young where he had over 300 strikeouts. He had, I think it was four complete game shutouts, including a perfect in that last season. I mean, literally career ended in the prime of it. Sandy Koufax, one of my favorite players of all time, gets the statue, incredible ceremony. The Dodgers, easiest bet I've ever made against you. I mean, the Dodgers, of course, they're gonna show up on Sandy Day. They had Kershaw up there, the other, you know, LA lefty. Just a great moment. His statue's right next to Jackie Robinson. Of course, Koufax made his rookie debut, 1955, win the Brooklyn Dodgers, won the World Series again, won it in 65 with Koufax, incredible player.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty good statue too. But like you said, he had to retire at age 30, which is just unbelievable for somebody with the reputation that he does. I mean, three-time Cy Young winner, two-time World Series winner, a teammate of Jackie Robinson. Um, he's kind of gone largely out of the public eye since he retired. This was one of his like very few public appearances, public comments uh, in a long time. He's, I think, quietly been working at a pitching as a pitching instructor for some minor league team or something like that but very quiet guy doesn't like to be out in public um but his speech was incredible it's like a 10 minute speech i think he thanked like 40 something people in it it was a real tearjerker and the statue i mean the statue is well done it's done by the same person who made uh the Jackie statue um i i wish i knew the name i think it's a japanese artist who did it but it's a really good statue
0: yeah, you got him with the whole leg kick. I mean, it encapsulates Sandy Koufax, get that left arm way back. I got to get out there. I mean, I haven't been out to Dodger Stadium since they put in the Jackie statue or the Koufax. I mean, those if they get the Kershaw statue out there, that's my big three of Dodger baseball legends. I'd be having a field. They wouldn't even watch the game. i just circle the statues. I mean, awesome moment, that 32, already retired. Obviously, Koufax is in the Hall of Fame. I mean, like, how couldn't yeah. he be? It was amazing.
1: He was in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I mean, he had a long season. He came into the year when he was nineteen or into the league. But I, I mean, I mean, I'm looking at his stats now. F- four, three of his final four seasons, he won Cy Young. Um, he was an All Star in all six of his final seasons. His final two seasons, he came in second place in MVP voting. His ERAs, his last, let's just say, five seasons were 254, 1.88, 1.74, 2.04, 1.73. He had 300 strikeouts in 3 of his final 4 years, including 382 strikeouts in 1965. I mean, it's such a shame that his
0: career was cut short at 30 years old in the prime of his career. I mean, that's I mean, the cool thing is he walked off with a Cy Young in hand. But again, I mean, that it's arthritis in the... It's just terrible because it's the what if. I mean, I, I lose sleep over this on a daily basis. It's the what if. This is a guy in the prime of his career. He could have had six, seven Cy Youngs. I mean, he would have had all the records in the pitching books. He, he was up there. I mean, one of the... And luckily, I feel like he gets a lot of respect. People kind of take that what if trajectory with him. I mean, his career in itself is Hall of Fame worthy. But I think people do also apply, holy crap, this guy was medically out of the league at 30, in the prime, pitching some of the best baseball we've ever seen. I think people factor that in. I love this statue. I love it. Retired the 32. I mean, it is retired, but, you know, got to remember the 32, 42, 32, 22. If it ends in two and it's wearing Dodger blue, it's a savage. It's a fact. Absolute fact. And it was cool seeing, seeing Clayton there, too. Um. I'll, I'll be honest, I have mixed feelings on it. Because I I obviously liked it. I'm in my favorite two pitchers. It was a little bit too much. Like, I don't know. I kind of want Sandy to have his moment. Everyone makes the connections. We know Dodger Southpaw. You get it. I mean, it was nice at the end of the day. I don't think I would have optioned to not have Kershaw there. But it's just like, let's make sure. I feel like so many fans are like in LA are like future focused. And like now, now, now. And they're not real Dodgers fans. I mean... I mean, I don't think it was like that. I don't think it was like that. I, I think
1: Clayton Kershaw was showing up as a fan. I mean, they're both, I mean, Clayton Kershaw's a Hall of Famer, Dodger legend in his own right. It's pretty cool to see Sandy Koufax statue unveiled. It's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I don't think it was like, let's put the spotlight on Clayton, too. I felt like it was more just like he was there in honor. I, I think they have a, a relationship as well.
0: Yeah, no, I agree on the Kershaw side. I'm talking about how, how some of the fan interactions I was seeing on Twitter are like, "Oh wow, it's Clayton Kershaw and this bum," and it's like, "Get the hell out of here!" Like, pay for what? Clayton, yeah, Clayton should have been there every right. They've had that relationship, and look, they see each other. <laughs> look, they're both some of the best left-handed pitchers that have ever played. Dodger pitchers, legend, special moment for LA. Of course, they won the game. Max, thank you for the free money, free dinner from Max. Very nice. Let's go
1: to the player watch here. Trending players, who's playing hot, who's not playing so hot, who's trending up, who is trending down. James, give me your trending up player.
0: I don't think there's any question here. I imagine this could be a little overlap here. You touched on this a little bit earlier. I'm all in. It's Mike Trout. I mean, what an incredible weekend he had. As he said, four home runs. In five, or five home oh, runs okay. in five, yeah, five home runs in five games. Four go-ahead home runs in a five-game series. First time that's ever happened in baseball history. Four go-ahead home runs. Angels win the series. Four games, dropping one over the Mariners. Mike, I mean, there's not a lot to say. Mike Trout, he's the best hitter on the planet, best baseball player on the planet, and he showed it this week.
1: He just owns Seattle. Um, no, um I mean, that's a great pick. I, I mean, he was on my list, obviously, but I actually went a little bit different. So this guy was on the IL for a while. He actually got hurt again this weekend, but they're they're hoping he avoids the IL. A southside player from the Chicago White Sox, Yoan Um So this is a little bit interesting. He's had a tough year. If you look at his numbers, he's batting 179 on the year. He didn't play at all in April, and in May, he was batting 133 but his last seven days his last 15 at bats he's seven for 15 two doubles a homer six rbis batting 467 with an ops at 1.329 that's you got to be happy about that if you're the white Sox. i mean this is a guy who hasn't been playing well all season he's one of those guys that's you know he's not one of your best best players like tim anderson or jose abreu but he's a guy who should put up big numbers um Based on what he's done, you know, in the past couple of years, his his OPS is 787, 705. In 2019, he was in the MVP conversation. He had an OPS at 915. He's trending in the right direction. That's the best thing you can say.
0: Yeah, I'd like to pick. I mean, I, I think, again, he's on that right side. Another one of those just electric players This White Sox. They have so many weapons there. They can keep it healthy and keep producing. Going to be a scary team, Marcotta, very much part of that. There we go. Give me your trending down player. This is kind of an interesting one. I feel like I went a little bit out there. They're definitely trending down, no question about that. I think the question is, does anyone give a shit? Uh, and I would be referring to the 43-year-old designated hitter on the Washington Nationals, Nelson Cruz. Again, not a player that really thought would have major impact but this was the national splash this was if you're a nationals fan your summer news your off season what did the nationals do in the off season they signed nelson cruz he had all those home runs how's it doing at least over the last week uh, the season been pretty bad but over the last week abysmal Point one three three batting average a measly OPS, which is just terrible. I mean, the OPS at 4.35 for a slugger like him. He does have a couple runs batted in. No big dongs. Like It's just a lackluster. And again, the Nationals have been terrible. But in my estimation, Cruz should have been the second best hitter on this team. And he's not playing that way, which is already hurting a team that needs any help it could get.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's interesting. It was a weird kind of signing by the Nationals, I, he kind of seems like he just wants 500 homers. He's at 456, so no way he gets there at this point, especially with how bad he's playing. But, yeah, I mean, good pick. I went
0: um, – I, I just real quick, I love the little the little dunk that you just had there. You just sneak that in there. It's like, oh, yeah, he's at 456. So not a chance with how bad he is because he has When again, it could be age, but he's not even seen the ball well.
1: How about a trending down player who is on one of the most trending down teams, the Seattle Mariners? Adam Frazier. Uh, Adam Frazier was a Pirate for several years um, for the for the first one, two, three, four, five years of his career. He was traded last year to the Padres. Funny enough, for Jack Swinsky, who hit three homers yesterday. Um, so, I mean, that kind of sucks. But then he, he goes to the Mariners. The Mariners trade for him this offseason, entering his final year of arbitration. And this is a guy who was a 300 hitter in 2021 or, or his time in uh, Pittsburgh. He was a 300 hitter before he came to the Padres. He has been terrible, really terrible. And I mean, this whole lineup's been poor offensively, but last seven days, he's a 167 average. And you talked about that OPS at around 400 being low. OPS for Adam Frazier is at 367. Uh, Four hits and 24 at-bats, all singles. Just He's really, really struggling right now. It's unfortunate to see because I've always kind of liked Adam Frazier. I thought he was going to be a great
0: second baseman for the Mariners, and it just hasn't turned out that way. Yeah, again, this is a guy I love to pick there. I mean, when he was on the Pirates, he was on top of the baseball world. Certainly not the best player, but I'd say household name. People knew he was raking. Didn't really perform much for San Diego. And again, I think if you're Seattle, you're like, wow, like, look at our reinvented infield. We're going to have JP. We're going to have Ty France. We're going to have Adam Frazier and Eugenio Suarez. That's a great infield. And they're just not producing. I mean, ultimately, that's what's hit this Mariners team. If everything went right, this Mariners team is very much in the season, could be up top in their division. Not what we're seeing. I love the pick. And, wow, what did you say the uh, OPS was, 360? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes me what a vomit. I mean, that is foul. Like, that's ter- that is-, is terrible.
1: OPS is on base plus slugging. Like, some the, a lot of people have on-base percentages higher than 367, let alone you're adding some other stat
0: on top of it. Max Muncy has a higher uh, on-base percentage than 360, and he's played terrible all year. He's got a higher on-base than that. I mean, that is like new levels of bad. Again, a, of just for a benchmark, I mean, an OPS you're really targeting is one. You know, anything about 850s, pretty solid and above, you're really targeting one. Mike Trout's perennially over one, (laughs) three, wow, that's terrible.
1: It's tough. Good pick. So I had Moncada and Frazier, and you had Mike Trout and Nelson Cruz, some pretty notable names on your end. Um, But final thing, James, Sunday Night Baseball, White Sox at Astros, uh, split series going in. It was the grudge match. Interesting game. Interesting game. Astros pull it out 4-3. Um, I mean, what what were your thoughts on the game overall?
0: It wasn't as exciting as I would have hoped for. You know, going in, I was pretty up for this matchup. I'd also say if you look at the scoreboard, looks like a much closer game yep. than it really was. The White Sox chipped in two pretty late to go from a 4-1 game to, you know, a 4-3 game. Nothing super sexy. I mean, I did like A.J. Pollock hit the triple that was cool. I mean, I'm always cheering for his success. You had the um, – oh, why can't I think of – who's the uh, Astros kid just hit his first home run? J.J. AJ, yeah, J.J. whatever, Vich, you just said. Which, biggest highlight of that, by the way, I don't know if you saw the trade demands that the kid who caught that ball made. Absolute fleece city. I mean, I want that guy. Sorry, Andrew Friedman. We got a new GM in town. He got a Altuve-signed ball, a Verlander-signed shirt, like six tickets to a game, batting practice tickets, like – the dude kept booking and he was working total respect for the kid fun home run but
1: it's it's very very uncommon to catch somebody's first home run you got to go all in on the negotiating but that was so funny I mean I thought they might have overdone it a little bit they like kept showing him over and over and over throughout the game but the story was pretty funny
0: yeah I mean a a couple references probably would have been fine and get it over with but again you know if you think about it you have to negotiate because you're a kid in an MLB park and you caught it. Like, and maybe that dude's first home run, but like, I just caught a home run at an MLB game. I don't really want to give that away either. Look, I'm in the same position. If that happens to me at Dodger stadium, I'm calling Mookie. I'm getting Kirsch. I'm getting Freddie. Do we have any Corey Seager merch in the closet? I mean, you know, I'm I'd be running it up too. So respect that kid. I think that's the story of the game to me. I mean that a little bit of a boring game, not boring, but, I felt like there could have been a lot of fireworks here, and it was just kind of so-so.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, the pitching was average. I mean, Christian Javier had a pretty good outing, five innings pitched, two hits, one run. Walked four, though. Michael Kopech, 2 I mean, he only walked one, but gave up seven hits, four earned runs. And I like what you said about the game seeming closer than it was. It did seem like the Astros were in control. I mean, it was four to one. Astros rolling going into the eighth, and there was that weird play um, where I think it was Ro- Rob Luis Robert shattered his bat on the swing, and the, the bat head just came flying at the short bit, shortstop who's trying to field the ball, so they can't really make the play because the bat is flying at him. And then AJ Pollock hits the triple, and they, they score two runs. Um, so I mean that was a little interesting, but. I mean, other than that, it just felt like the Astros were clearly the better team.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what we expected. I know both of our predictions we were both like, yeah, Astros locked this down. They win. So on that front, very much what we expected. How about this? Team... Question... Oh. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say the question remains, and this is the hardest yeah. one I think we've had. Rounding third player of the week from the game. Like, player who the medium, was... Yeah. The, yeah, the Sunday night base sorry player, the Sunday night baseball player of the game, round through player of the game. Who are you thinking? Because initially, I'm, I have a couple picks in my head. I don't even know if one's
1: eligible. Yeah, I mean, it is harder. It's it's one of the harder ones we have because there's no clear winner. Um, I mean. You could you could say Matijevic because he had his first home run of his career into the Crawford boxes, which, by the way, that hit was a homer in only two ballparks. Um, but I, I would give my vote for Mauricio Dubon. Uh, he also hit a homer in this game. He went two for two with two RBIs, one run scored. He's batting ninth in the lineup and really showed up. I mean, but but that's not – I mean, that's not like – the most incredible thing, but he did hit a two-run homer uh, in the fifth inning to kind of put the game a little bit more out of reach. So maybe Mauricio Dubon, I mean, who do you
0: think? I mean, I got uh, JJ as well. I mean, the first home run on Sunday Night Baseball could be notable. I got the kid for fleecing the Astros. I got him on the sheet. I don't know if he's eligible. And then I think Christian Javier, you know, again, not the best performance, but kept it in check, got the win, did what you need to do. I'm fine with Dubon, a little bit of bad blood. You know, he is a former Giant. Still no clue why they traded him. Makes absolutely no sense to me. And, again, going Giants to Astros, I don't know if there's a way to make me hate you more as a player. And, again, I have no – I care less about Mauricio Dubon. Really nice guy, always seems like it. But, like, wow, Giants to Houston, that is a brutal one-two – bottom tier, bottom feeder organizations of baseball.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, it is tough. Like I'm just looking at these stat sheets. It's like, I mean, like Altuve went one for four with a run, Brantley went one for three, Bregman one for four, Tucker one for four, Natsa one for four. I mean, everybody got hits pretty much, but Dubon two for two, two RBIs, and he walked, so he reached base three times two RBIs from his two-run homer who was caught stealing.
0: But, I mean, I don't know. Who do you think? I'll concede to Dubon because I think the only one that you reasonably can pit above that is probably Christian Javier. And, again, for the pitching we picked, you know, we had Taiwan Walker. who had a much better performance than that. yeah. I'll concede to Dubon. The only question would be, do we – I would circle JJ back up for contention just based on the first home run Sunday Night Baseball. It's up to you how you want to play that. I will concede to Dubon, though.
1: I I like having him as backup, maybe, like, throw some honorable mentions there. I think another honorable mention has to be the kid. I think he's got to get a shout-out. He was kind of the story of the night.
0: Yeah, so I, th- I think that it sounds like we're going Mauricio Dubon with a double honorable mention to uh, J.J. Medovic. You got to hit Metinjavich. that. Metinjavich. Nice. And the and, kid who caught his homer. And the kid who caught his homer, Felice Astros. That's a little three-piece graphic coming up hot. Congratulations, Mauricio Dubon. Should have never been traded. Player of the game. There
1: we go. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter, new Instagram, Rounding Third Podcast, Twitter, Rounding Third Now. Um, the graphics have been juiced up. You can see our daily report every day. We've got spicy and dicey graphics, player watch graphic coming out tomorrow, Sunday night baseball player, of the w- game graphic, lock of the week graphic, which
0: spoiler, but we both, of course, won i hope you tailed i hope you tailed i mean we had benjamin's on the sheet we had locks on there we're telling the people max we're trying to make you paid we're trying to feed your kids follow along on a little bit of a hot streak as a pod yeah twitter's been blowing up we just crossed the 100
1: follower mark which is pretty good only 45 episodes in so you know we're cruising it's been fun james always a pleasure talk to you guys next time